Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes just that inherent curiosity, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs have in general. I mean, that's why people are in tech. How do we make the world better? And how do we create solutions that will serve the greater good? I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. to the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting LA Tech talent and companies. So excited for our next guest, who's actually a guest host on both Women in Tech and We Are LA Tech podcast. She is a good friend of mine. I am so proud of her, and she is just absolutely inspiring. Rachel, coming at us from Marina Del Rey. Hello. Hello, hello. So glad to be here. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And we have our amazing guest co-host today because I'm doing this new experiment of co-hosting. We have Tucker. Go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. We're back. Tucker from Smooth. We have an app for couples to split expenses automatically, and uh, we're launching on the App Store within the next four to six weeks here. Rachel, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm Rachel Espiritu. I'm currently marketing director at Starburst Aerospace. It's a global startup accelerator for aerospace and defense companies. Our headquarters is in El Segundo. I'm relatively new to the organization and super excited to be there. You know, we have an accelerator program that supports pre-seed and seed stage aerospace startups, as well as enabling technologies that also includes like big data and AI. So I oversee the marketing strategy. We have a global presence, six offices worldwide, Paris, Tel Aviv, Singapore, Sal, and Washington, D.C. It's an amazing company. There's also a venture firm. We invest pre-seed and seed stage, as well as a consulting arm that works with corporate and government partners on their aerospace innovation strategies. And in addition to your aerospace life, you are also a sound bath musician. What does that mean? Someone that we've had at so many of our We Are LA Tech experiences, she's amazing. Sure, yeah, and thank you for acknowledging that. It's, for me, my own personal journey with wellness and mental health. Meditation has been a a huge part of that. And so during the pandemic, 2020, I did meditation teacher training and got certified. And now I teach at a studio over in Marina Del Rey where I lead a meditation class and I use different sound instruments that facilitate a meditative experience. And it's just something I do on the side as a passion project. That's amazing. Rachel, I've known you for several years and I'm so proud of you. Your trajectory in your career, not just your career, your career and your health journey Mm -hmm. has been 
so extraordinary to me as a friend. I was telling you this before you came into the studio. You started out at, at a hardware accelerator, mm-hmm. knew nothing about hardware acceleration, and you learned, you immersed yourself, you learned about co-working, you learned about hardware, you learned about, you were valu- highly valuable. Then you went over to like incubator slash venture capital mm-hmm. and learned that whole world. Mm-hmm. Now you've learned all about aerospace. Mm-hmm. I would never do that myself. I, w- I, w- I don't think I am capable of it. Like mm. if you threw me into an aerospace company, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't think I have the competency to do what you have done. Mm. You have done it now three times. Yeah. <laughs> I so admire that. Like mm-hmm. I don't even understand how you're able to do that. And, and you, you are so high value. At all these roles. It's not just like figuring out. You figure it out and then you become just a huge asset mm-hmm. within within the companies. So tell us when you first started at Starburst, what did you know about aerospace? Sure. And, and what do you know now? Like how did you immerse yourself into the culture? Yeah. Well, first, thank you for that amazing compliment. Really <laughs> touches my heart. I will say that Going in, I also was very nervous. And when I interviewed for the role, I spoke to the managing director and the CEO. I both mentioned to them, I don't know much about aerospace. They're like, don't worry, we can teach you. And so the managing director for our U.S. office, Elizabeth Reynolds, she's such a supporter and an ally and an advocate. She saw potential in me. was like, I believe you can do this. And took the chance and I hit the ground running. I definitely immersed myself, started following a lot of, you know, publications, just really understanding really what the core concepts are. And the idea essentially as a marketing director, I'm not the rocket scientist. I'm not the engineer. I just need to understand it enough to tell the story to the general Mm. audience, to the general tech community, which if anything puts me in the perfect position because I'm understanding the company's story, our founders' stories, and helping communicate that to a larger audience and specifically to investors for the founders in our portfolio, helping them connect to investors because that's part of the role of an accelerator, right? You join an accelerator to get access to resources, connections, and ultimately your next round of funding. So really what excites me about aerospace and what a lot of people don't know is the connection to climate. Actually, very passionate about climate. There's a lot of space technologies that are used to support the really what's happening with the climate revolution. And if you think about satellite data and how satellites are able to monitor ESG metrics, you know, weather patterns, you know, crops, agriculture, water, all of that. And so it's a big component. And so space is actually a big driver for climate. Did you know that when you took the job? I did not. Yeah, I'm like, should I know that already? But it it, it makes sense. Right. <laughs> but yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, exactly. How did you have the confidence to say yes to a role three times <laughs> that you didn't know how to do when you were starting? And I ask that because there's the that old story that a lot of people tell about guys versus girls where, like, if they both have the same opportunity, I think the story is, like, to become a pilot. They both have no experience. The guy will say yes and say, I'll figure it out. And the girl will be like, let me go learn how to do it before I say yes to the, the opportunity. You seem to just jump 
and totally. say yes. Mm-hmm. So how do you have the confidence to do that? Yeah, I will say it ties back as well to my spirituality because I absolutely trust that whatever is put in front of me, oh. I will figure it out and that the universe will give me exactly what I need at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that an opportunity wouldn't come to me if I wasn't qualified for it in some way. Mm-hmm. So that's a big piece of it. I also wow. allow myself that. to Love stretch, that. right? I, I see the gap but I trust that I'll be supported along the way. Because I know I need to do the footwork, right? Right, It won't just be handed to me. Like, I get to do the footwork. I get to learn. And I'm an essentially very curious person. I'm always like, how do things work? Why does this happen? Where did this come from? Those questions are continuously swirling. And so I think because of that inherent curiosity and Mm. the desire to want to make impact— the right opportunities presented themselves at the right time. And especially aerospace now, there's the new space economy. It's really a blossoming industry. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate and lucky to be brought into it at this particular time in history. Right. The timing is unbelievable. Yes. It's very, very cool. And, and I like how yeah. you t- talked about like putting, you know, putting yourself out there and then trusting the process, mm-hmm. but also like as a caveat, doing the work. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing that people sort of gloss over in this like uh like manifest destiny yeah right there's a difference between manifesting something and showing up in the position to do the work mm-hmm. and then wishful thinking totally you know, magical thinking yes it's a little bit of both right. right setting the intention and then doing the footwork the day-to-day and breaking things down understanding that anything is possible just break it down into a few simple steps yeah I think something that's coming up for me while we're talking is the power of experimentation, even how, you know, I'm doing the podcast right now and having, you know, Tucker co-host with me, which is something different to experiment. And sometimes experimentation or a lot of times is is so scary to leap because it's like, oh, what if we don't do it right or what, mm-hmm. right or wrong? But all of life is an experiment, right? And so it sounds like just with every role you're doing, you're open to that journey and totally beginner's mindset has served everyone very well there's that again the eastern story about having your cup empty if you show up with your cup already full how are you going to let anything pour into you right mm. huh so. you know, you're blowing me away <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that's what i need to do about my imposter syndrome yeah. that's what i need to do about my like <laughs> self-limiting beliefs yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah beginner's mindset with everything being open and for me that process of learning is so exciting so i'm always curious okay well why does this work why is it like this and that i think has served me very well i will say i'm definitely nowhere near an expert in this field but just that inherent curiosity which i think a lot of entrepreneurs have mm-hmm. in general i mean that's why people are in tech mm-hmm. how do we make the world better and how do we create solutions that will serve the greater good what i also really appreciated is that you brought up uh, did you say elizabeth yes that you brought up elizabeth and i think it's so important for women to empower women i believe in this concept you've probably heard me talk about it before called silent mentorship yes where you just how you show up in the world could mentor someone else even if it's some smiling at someone in the grocery store or Someone like Elizabeth being like, I got you. And Mm -hmm. you could ask all the questions that you want to ask. It's not like Elizabeth has to necessarily go out of her way. She just opened her heart to Mm -hmm. kindness. And it's so important that we do that day to day. So I really appreciate that you brought her up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. So I think she would also be a great guest for this (laughs) show. So I... No further comment. Honestly, it's like I'm jealous that you found someone in your career to like take you, you know, 
under their wing like that. It's something that I've sort of looked for in my career and have mm-hmm. yet to find, except for you know, in in flashes. The show Suits. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that series, but like Harvey Specter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, very yeah. cool. Very lucky. <laughs> very lucky. And it's timing, you know, timing and showing up, like Absolutely. you said. Absolutely. Yeah. You have these two identities, being a sound bath musician. I call it musician. Uh, what, do you, what do you call it? What's the um, formal... I, yeah, that's. I think that's a better term for it. Uh, I'd say meditation teacher. Mm. So okay, so you have these two identities: meditation teacher, and then working in aerospace. How do you? I, I feel like it's the climate piece where the two identities merge. Is that right? Or how? How do you balance those two yes. identities? Yeah. No. No. Definitely. And and for those that don't know, Rachel and I know each other very well. So. Being a meditation teacher, a sound bath musician, is extremely important to her. It's not mm-hmm. just a hobby. It's part of her core identity. So that's mm-hmm. why this is interesting Have you to ever me. been to one of her sessions? I hired her multiple times. for. We, I've been to her sessions yeah. as well as hired her multiple times for We Are Late Tech events. That's amazing. She's phenomenal. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. I want to do it. I want to do one. I'm so Come intrigued. Come out anytime. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, it's been one of those things where I just naturally follow what lights me up. I just lean into things that I get excited about. And I had my own transcendental experience, maybe 2017, going to a sound bath. I'd be like, wow, just the peace that I felt as a result of that. And just following that. And ultimately, like, wanting something that serves others. Like, I want to be a part of someone else's story where just I'm a small piece and leading them to either their higher purpose, a sense of fulfillment, a greater sense of just serenity, anything in that regard. And then also in terms of my work life, like, creating something of value that will be lasting, like a legacy, which I'm sure like a lot of us lean into this particular field because it's not easy. It takes a lot of work and grit and dedication. So wanting to create an impact where it leaves people, you know, the next generation better off than it was for us. Mm. This is going to sound so cheesy, but I just so deeply admire how you show up to life. Hmm. And I think now with all the chaos at least in our generation in this world, from climate to wars to virus, the whole thing. And maybe other generations experience the same. And because we weren't alive then, we feel like, oh, this is all new. But maybe this is like this happens for every generation. I mean, classic is like there was a generation where everybody had to hide under their desk because of atomic bombs. So, But the way you show up, despite being very well-informed, Mm-hmm. The more informed I am, the more I want to hide in bed and not get out of bed. <laughs> right. You seem to become more and more vibrant year after year. And just being fully like vulnerable and transparent, I feel like I become more run down year after year. And I so deeply admire your vibrancy. What's your North Star? Is there something you're doing that is fueling you to live life so glowingly? Yeah. I mean, it really just comes back to the spirituality aspect. I truly believe everyone has a higher purpose, and we're put on this earth for many reasons. And ultimately, the more I learn about the problems, 
I'm just an eternal optimist. There are solutions. And we wouldn't be given a problem that we couldn't solve. Mm. And that ultimately wasn't for, and again, my personal belief is that a lot of these problems are meant for us to come together. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about like everyone's, you know, the wars, the fighting, tearing apart. But if we really like come together and create solutions, it just creates more peace and harmony. So I think just to take a moment and acknowledge that yes, Life is good in the sense of looking back at previous generations. We don't have maybe the same challenges, but we have our own set of challenges. We have to think, like, that's what we came into this earth realm for. I don't know. That's just part of my spirituality, my beliefs, that, like, we're here on this planet for this time to just do something cool, make an impact. And, like, maybe you don't want to. Maybe you just want to chill, and that's totally fine as well. It's part of the human experience, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. It's part of the human experience, and no shade to anyone that feels like, I just want to just sit in a hammock. Like, great, yes, we deserve to rest as well. Right. But I think some of us maybe just have this thing in them where it's like, I want to do something while I'm here, and I want to see the world better. And that belief where we can, like, co-create a reality where it's a better reality. Mm. That's, that's and it's one of my favorite terms, co-create. I use it so often. Yeah. But it's interesting when you use the word with humanity, like all, mm. like if I was co-creating reality on a day to day as I park my car and walk down the street and the people I walk past, how would I show up differently if I felt that there was a power to my co-creating? Mm. It's kind of like the cousin of silent mentorship. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, what kind of guidance would you give to people starting in a new profession and getting into the tech world when they're excited by the potential being in the tech world, but they have no experience whatsoever, like, which has been your situation so many times? Mm -hmm. I will say I've also had the experience of working with mentors who've taught me some really key concepts. Seek wise counsel. That's one in life and in business that can be used. So surround yourself with people who are also wanting to learn and deep dive. Who are the thought leaders? What are the publications? What are people reading? What are they talking about? Immerse yourself. Podcasts like these as well. And just start with the beginner's mindset. I mean, that's mm -hmm. like the, I think the, the best way if you just look at everything with the beginner's mindset. For me, it's really just been understanding, like, I also know what I don't know in a degree, mm. right? And I know, like, I'll maybe I'll never be in, a, like, a rocket scientist, engineer. I don't actually build advanced propulsion systems and jets that run. Like, I, don't, I know I won't be able to maybe necessarily build that, yeah. but just from a high level of understanding, like, the landscape. And really being curious about, well, what is in this landscape? Mm -hmm. Where is this going? Where is the future going in regards to this particular industry? And when did Starburst launch? Uh, 2012, actually. And what are some of the claims to fame Starburst has been involved with? Oh, sure. So as a global accelerator, it's the first and only global aerospace accelerator. It started in Paris as a consulting firm and has since grown, really seeing the need within the aerospace industry, which we think of industry primes like Boeing and Airbus, right? And they're not particularly known for early stage innovation, right? Startups, it's kind of this like legacy, you know, slow moving. Right sort of industry. And so there's a big gap in there. And I think that's where any smart entrepreneur sees a gap, sees a problem, and aims to create a solution around that. 
how supportive do you think Los Angeles is of the tech industry overall and then aerospace specifically? Sure. I was actually at an event last night. We're saying LA is a really hard place for a founder because it is so spread out and there's just very disparate communities. Uh, I also think that you can create luck wherever you go. So again, going back to that, look, I'm like madly in love with you. Like I can't <laughs> even. Your own luck. I love that. Like yeah. I can't even. I'm having such a hard time doing this interview because I'm drooling. Just so <laughs> proud of like so watching how eloquently you speak how positive you are, how you show up, the kind of achievements you've had in your life. I'm like dying over you. <laughs> like, I'm just like, Thank you. I can't even focus because all I'm feeling is this overwhelming proud of you sensation. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just, it's like distracting me. I'm just like, when did she become this like <laughs> smart, savvy, eloquent speaker that you sit up well and your manners and line up with your word. Like you're fucking powerful. And I've known you for so long. And I saw when you, before you were in tech, you were trying to figure it out, trying to figure out your identity. And now you're in front of me, just like this powerful leader, badass. And I'm just like, go you. (laughs) I'm freaking out over here. I will say, honestly, for someone who's just met you, like, it's totally on point. And it's like, for me, like I said, aspirational to, like, marry the two things, like, Eastern Mm -hmm. versus, like, capitalist, like, Western culture. Like, really impressive. Very cool. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, like, great takeaways from what you're saying. Yeah, thank you. Well, Esprit, you have been instrumental in my growth journey. You were someone that I met back when there was the Silicon Beach Fest, (laughs) and I was a volunteer because I really wanted to get more involved in the tech industry, and you were a speaker on a panel. I'm like, wow, she's so cool. And you were very inclusive. You welcomed me in literally to the table. We're going to eat afterwards. You want to join us? And you welcomed me in with open arms. And I remember even you were like, hey, I know someone. What do you do? I'm like, oh, I do social media. Like, whoa, I know someone hiring. Do you need a job? And to me, I was like, that was such a just generous way of how you show up in the world. So I just want to acknowledge you for your consistent branding of generosity. Like, you are who you are to the core. And that is impressive. That you stay true to your heart and you follow your heart and you're generous with your time, your energy, and you care about people and you are very community-based. I feel like I what I do in community building, I learned a lot from you. What? Totally. Totally. Totally, totally. This is like a love fest. Did you remember that story? (laughs) Like of inviting her out to lunch? Oh, I mean, yeah, I do. I remember us eating together, and she's also told me before, but I don't remember the act of, like, being like, here, come with us. But I remember her being there, and I remember the initial conversation she and I had. And there was this moment that she knows very well, because Rachel and I became friends, and I had, um, I think it was actually probably, like, the first We Are LA Tech gathering actually at my house i probably didn't know that it was the future of my company Hmm. and we had is it called a fondue chocolate maker is it called fondue they're awful don't own one they're awful to clean i believe that (laughs) and she fucking stayed the entire night late and helped me clean this chocolate maker 
that was yeah. like impossible to clean. And I just never forgot. I'm like, it was so generous moved. of yeah. her time <laughs> right. to support. I was tired and right. I had just hosted this whole thing. And now I have to deal with this chocolate machine. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, and so I just, that really cemented for me just how kind and loving and thoughtful she is. And I just, yeah, I'm a very, I'm a sentimentalist. So if there's something that like really moves me, I'll remember it for the, till I die. And yeah. and that chocolate machine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> meant a lot. And then she's done similar things since when I'll do uh, a We Are LA Tech gathering and I'm, beyond exhaust like i can't even see straight there was one time for the 10 year anniversary i did the this whole big event i'm at the stairs of my house my friend and all we early tech member matt is um helping me move stuff i like not passed out i just laid down on my stair i was like matt i know you're just as tired as i am but I can't stand anymore. Please yeah. don't leave me. Like, I get so tired. And Rachel will stay late at, at things and just supporting me. And and with such kindness and generosity, she's not expecting anything from me. It's just, it's super unusual and rare. And yeah. it means a lot because I don't think people understand or see or have the ability to, to empathize and how much I suffer in giving so much of myself. And I feel like Rachel sees the sacrifice I'm making on the inside when on the outside, like I'm smiling and serving. And and I think she's like, I got you. I will refuel you as best as I can. That's sick. I feel that. And that's also like the co-creating your reality mm-hmm. thing. Like these little moments in time, you, you know, it's, it's very little effort from the giver, but the recipient is more like, such a lasting impression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really special yeah. yeah yeah and I don't know if you guys have heard of the five different love languages mm-hmm. and like one of them is acts of service yeah. mm-hmm. to me that's a big one that's how yeah I show my love is mm-hmm. if I care I'll do something and to help and to be of service yeah and it's just it makes me feel good mm-hmm. about it it's yeah yeah you know. so okay before I derailed us <laughs> We were talking about mentorship, which is really key. Mm -hmm. Two things. One, how do you form that mentorship network? On the dual side of it, everyone has an opinion. And it's so annoying when people just, like, keep throwing their opinions at you as though you need to execute on them, but they're not going to do any of the work. And so what's the difference between having a mentor and who to choose versus filtering out just everyone and their mother having an opinion of how you should live your life? Sure. Well, for me, my early career growth was very contingent on the mentors that I chose, and I was very intentional about that. People who had the lives that I wanted and that were also heart-centered and service-oriented and friendly and kind people, but that were successful in their careers and that were achieving and doing lots of great things. I was very intentional in and around that. I also feel really lucky. I have a cousin that works in tech as well. Her name is Renette Kite. She's at a company called Counsey, like a startup CFO. And she's been so instrumental in my growth. And we were transparent, like, yes, we're cousins, but also she's a career woman that I respect and look up to. 
And she is someone that just brought me in and helped me get a job. And I go to her. And for those sticky things in and around career development and professionalism, how do you respond to this email, right? Mm -hmm. Because things get hairy sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. You have... But people are going after, especially, you know, with tech, you've got egos and people trying to do things and make moves and people stepping on toes or whatever it may be. So how do you navigate that? But also stand up for yourself, show up powerfully, but still be kind and empathetic. And so I just found people who emulated or were what I wanted and copied them and asked for their advice. Mm -hmm. And I also... There's another mentor I had, Jason Akuma, who you sure you know yeah. is also OG LA tech community person. He was someone that I just went up to and I was like, hey, I would love to learn from you. If there's anything I can help you with, a side project, like, please let me know. And he was very appreciative of that as opposed to like, pick your brain, right? Like, it was like, I want to, the way to learn is through doing, right. right? So can I show up and do something and help you with because that's how I'll learn. And so I was fortunate. And then from that, I got a job through that as well. So, And you, you're also really skilled at knowing what to say yes to. You're so intentional about it. How do you make those choices of what to say yes to? Sure. It's definitely an awareness. Uh, the meditation piece is a big part of that mm. because when I'm in touch with myself and what my North Star is, the things that I want in my life, When someone's talking about it, it's a vibration that I can just feel and sense and understand. And I'm like, okay, this is this is a yes. This is a hell yes. Mm. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Right. Right. Do you really think so? I really think so. It can also be not yet. Mm. I think that's something as well. It's even if it's not hell yes, okay, not yet. Because I'll say, I'll say yes to something that isn't a hell yes if I think potentially it could be an hell yes later, mm-hmm. but then I question it. But that is a not yet. That's like a not yet. But like, like, what if the opportunity doesn't come around again? I also think like just whatever you put in, you'll get out mm. just in general. So like, yeah. if it's a yes and not a hell yes, you're like, it's a yes. I'm skeptical, but I'm going to make the most out of it. Mm. That's a really good point. I mean, I love the point about, like, don't ask people for advice who haven't done what you are trying to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that I lost focus, like, on a personal level. Like, so many people have opinions. Oh, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're building this, you're doing this, try this, da 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 Mm -hmm. And your job is to, like, filter it all down. And then it got to a point where it's just like, you know what? If you're not living the life that I want, keep it to your fucking self. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Really. Yeah. Um, So I think that's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm also super curious about just, like, the process of, like, like early stage investing, mm-hmm. right? It's super fluffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an idea. Here's uh, what we think the market is. Here's how we're going to get traction. Here's how what we're going to build. And then with aerospace, it's like, this is capital intensive, just knowing what I know from mm-hmm. the SpaceX stuff that I've seen and heard yeah. about. How do you make these choices? Like, I mean, what are the companies like, you know, super, yeah. super early stage, you mm-hmm. know, to be like, oh, we're going to build uh, this thing that's, going to cost tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Sure. I mean, just super curious about all that. Yeah. So a lot of it is the founder. Mm-hmm. And just like any industry, is this person qualified to do this job? And does this person have the grit to get through all of the challenges that come with that? Mm. I mean, that's been the biggest thing. Uh, with the venture side, I've made a few intros for founders to the partners at the firm. And so I've been, you know, and it's been a sense of, this is cool. I like what they're building. It's maybe in the advanced materials aspect. So a piece of 
uh, the supply chain ultimately the, around manufacturing aerospace that could you know support the thesis, and then I send it over, and then ultimately of like understanding that like it's really again not as I'm not an investor I don't write the checks but I can see it's more of like it's because of my experience working with people and just understanding mm. it, I think a lot of it has to do with what I've seen from the best investors is they have that sense of like I can tell who this person is five seconds talking to them right. and I know for like I'd be willing to bet my money on them that they would go and do the things that they said they'll do right I think that's the piece. Yeah, it's hard to quantify that part. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing about raising money is it's usually not about the product. It's always about the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does this team have the relevant experience to build something? And I think that's what's cool right now about this new space economy is that there have been quite a few, you know, big aerospace tech unicorns and the growth in that regard. And then now the people who've seen that growth and that trajectory that are now spinning out and doing their own startups, like SpaceX is like MIT, right? We're like, oh, this is an MIT grad. Oh, it's a SpaceX engineer. Like you just know for a fact that this person is qualified mm. and has been in the ring, so to speak, that right. could go and do the same thing elsewhere. I'm curious, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten that's helped accelerate your career? Gosh, there's been a lot. I will say one of them, I actually said it earlier, like unintentionally, it was from Jason Akuma. How you do anything is how you do everything in life and in business. Mm. And that it's one and the same. How you show up in your life, how you show up in your business, it's one, It's who you are as a person will trickle down and affect every aspect of your life. So make sure you know who you are at your core and show up as your true authentic self no matter where you are, because it'll attract the right people, attract the right jobs, opportunities, all of that. And that has been something I will say candidly that I've also like struggled with because I need to be this certain kind of person, show up this kind of way. Be No, right? you know, you can tell it's like, you know, if someone's wearing a mask, you can tell. And then you're like, well, what are you hiding? Yeah. Well, why you got to hide? What's going on under there? Right. But if you're just like, yeah, this is who I am, then it's, People, from my experience, are way more understanding and accepting of the people who are willing to take off the mask and show who they truly are. Do you have a vision of where you'd like to end up? Kind of like a company of, you know, with Tucker's company, smooth, smooth, smooth. smooth. <laughs> swear. Smooth. Smooth. Um, you know, like the smooth, it's it's like okay. What are you? How many app installs are you looking to achieve in quarter one? Or what kind of you know traction are you looking to gain with you working for a company? What is your goal? Do you have one? Like if you were to ask me the same question, I actually don't have goals anymore. My only goal is to be feel as joyous as possible every day. And so if I'm not, it's to have an agreement with myself that I check in, like, why does my body hurt today? Why don't I feel joyous today? What's going on? And then pivot accordingly. And maybe there's sometimes where I'll go days or weeks or whatever. But my only goal for myself is to be aware and intentional of how I'm experiencing my day-to-day -day living. Mm -hmm. yeah. do, you do you have a future goal or what is your goal? So I'm very big into what I want it to feel like and what I want my day-to-day -to, -day to look like. And I know Ooh, I, want what I want to— what I want it to feel like. Yes. 
right? Bro. Where I can see, <laughs> because what love happens, you're yeah. like, oh, like I want to be an entrepreneur, but then like the stress or the yeah, things yeah. that go in and around that, it's like I think that's why a lot of people don't ultimately make it because it's so cool and flashy to be a founder, but then the grind of actually doing it. I mean, yeah. you guys know, yeah. right? It, it's it takes a lot, and a so lot. can really this is not what I want it to feel like. And so I know for me, what I want my day to day to feel like is to be in the middle of a community of founders and investors who are making a big impact in the world. I know that's what I want it to be, to be a connector, to be in and around the space of people who are solving hard problems and then actually are smart and committed and want to see change. I know that's what it is. And so what that looks like, I'm not attached to the results. I just know mm. that's what I want it to, to feel like. Interesting. Tucker, what do you, do you know? What do you want? your life to feel like? For, for me, it's a very much about like the people that I'm surrounded with. Uh, you know, we spoke about this briefly previously, which was that like enjoying the journey is like really hard at times and like in some ways like kind of bullshit because the journey, like you were just saying, Rachel, is like it sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard to like get through shitty times and like build momentum out of nothing. But in terms of how I want it to feel, like I love that as a framework. Mm-hmm. I just want it to feel like I'm working with my friends, you know, and like mm-hmm. the people on the team are people that I want to hang out with socially as well. And like that's not to say that friends are always the best people to work with, but like when you can develop like a really strong bond with the team and have, you know, conversations late at night or early in the morning or difficult conversations, but find a way through it like you know, my wife always gives me a hard time. She's like, half your job is just talking on the phone with your friends. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like that's how I want it to feel. Like that's what yeah. I want it to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, and my friends are helping with the company and the company is going to help them. Like, so I like the idea of like working towards a particular feeling in the day to day. And yeah, I want it to feel like I'm working with my friends on something cool. I think yeah. if I was going to dream right now, it's something Rick Rubin said, who's, Uh, a skilled um, music producer, really well-known. And he said, essentially, the answers are in nature and that nature is always communicating with us Mm. if we tune in. And so what I'd want my life to feel like is that I'm in harmony and having that conversation with nature, like I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And I want to feel a sense of creative freedom. And um, and I want to... Continue. I do feel like my work is purposeful, so I want to continue to feel that my work is purposeful. And in tandem, I want to feel loved while doing my work. And so sometimes I don't feel seen. So I guess that's a better word. And I don't mean by fame. I definitely don't aspire to be an influencer. Like, mm-hmm. But just like, or appreciated, maybe yeah, that's... Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciated. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because it has nothing to do with fame. So, but and I feel all of that can be achieved if I was in harmony with nature. Like how you're showing up today, you're so in harmony. Probably again because being a, a meditation teacher is so core to your identity. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly putting yourself in check. Whereas me, I'm like I have a I have a huge project that's stressing me out. So I'm like, okay, so I won't sleep as much, and I'll eat all this crap, and I <laughs> did da, 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 and I just give it up right away. But then how I show up is probably like a little more more chaotic and frazzled, and like all, and I'm not really taking that beat to recognize when I start to self sacrifice things that seem so easy to sacrifice that I'm actually no longer like living vibrantly either. Right. Yeah. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you can even pause 
in the day-to-day, but it's not what I want it to feel like. Right. And then just like, okay, you know what? I can start my day over anytime. Yeah. Pause, reset, and go. <laughs> take a beat. Take a <laughs> yeah, beat. Yeah, take a beat. Check in. And I think, and that's what, for me, meditation has taught me is how to check in with that. Check in with that. Be aware of the thoughts. The thought comes up, oh, this is so hard. Mm. Nope. Surfaces are hard. This yeah. is just a challenge. Right, right. And there's a solution. Like, <laughs> there's and that a solution. goes back to your point, too, about being like super curious, mm-hmm. right? Like, not everyone has that, but if you're curious, then you're finding the solution to the challenge. You look at the challenge totally differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As an opportunity to discover a solution as opposed to like, oh, these hard things. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. With so much acceleration in your life in this current chapter, from your personal life to professional life, what is uh, the thing that you're currently focused on either improving or overcoming. Mm. So I will say my own. Because your outward perception, by the way, is like super perfect. So I'm like, <laughs> wow. But no one's perfect, right? Like a, for No one is ever perfect for the entirety of our lives. But you come off like you have everything sorted out. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. So one big career success that I'd like to celebrate is that uh, for Starburst, we published our first white paper. It was on the commercialization of hydrogen electric aircraft. And that was something really cool to do a deep dive in. Mm. And so for me, the process of doing that, it was my first time cr- you know, creating one. And the journey along the way, it was challenging at times. But realizing having an intern- like a process for how you run things. So my own processes and systems for how I get work done that's where I want to improve because mm. instead of just kind of running to put out fires, mm. right, that can be the nature of a startup and working in and around startups. But if I'm very systematized, organized, and diligent at how I get things done, yeah. and even just how I start and review my day and the tasks at hand, yeah. and you have to think a lot of times it's like when you have all these what is the expression? Irons in the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to move so that way some don't burn. Right. Yeah. And that you're constantly, you know, moving and shaking things around and to stay calm and centered within that and but have a process for how you move and shake things around. So Yeah, speaking of, of mentorship and, and what you're saying with processes. Tucker, you have so much experience of companies that that, in your words, have become unicorns and the all accelerated beyond hit the the jackpot. What have you noticed about efficient processes in those companies? What have they done? What's a recommendation you can give to Rachel? I mean, it's funny. We were just talking about this too. Like the process is the problem, right? As a, yeah. as a sort of thing about leadership, right? Like if there's something that breaks or something that happens, like you are the one who needs to own that. And then own, owning the process is a way to sort of mitigate that risk. I think in terms of my experience at startups, you know, coming up with a repeatable process goes an extremely long way. So you can sort of backfill your own role. And Mm -hmm. in terms of like growing in an organization, like the idea is always to like take, you know, if you're younger in an organization, like try and take stuff off your boss's plate. And then on the flip side as the boss, it's more like how do I systematize or build a process around the stuff that I want taken off my plate so it's done the way that I expect it Mm. and that there's no room for miscommunication or confusion about the end result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, process is something I struggle with a lot too. So, like having accountability for yeah. people, you know, people near me in the company or personally to like help hold me accountable for stuff, I think goes a long way in terms of building the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things is we're so quick to 
think that delegating is a, so like that's what's promoted. That's the narrative that that has a really big uh, PR campaign. Delegate, delegate, delegate. <laughs> But if you don't know exactly what it is that you're delegating, you know the pain, but like the process behind it, the likelihood that we'll delegate something and that that person won't do it to our expectations. And then we're like, why didn't you get it done right? It's like, right. Mm. Uh, like I, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is your block with creating processes right now or something that could really help you in the discovering of implementing these processes? Mm, it's a very vulnerable question. And instantly my wall wants to go up. Yeah. So I'm like, no, Nothing. I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I'm great. <laughs> right? I want to expose and open the kimono and then y'all see like what's really going on. But a lot of it I think is just, it goes back to like the beliefs around that and also like not knowing what I don't know and you know, there's the Pomodoro techniques and all these other, like, you know, frameworks of how yeah. to go about and tackle things. And then, but then when things come up, like opportunities come up or there's a, a shift, yeah. right? And management's like, hey, we got this project, we got to go. And then like, oh, well, this gets moved to the back burner. Yeah. yeah. And so being a person that I can manage up well to the people in the organization and then also like, work closely with my teammates as well, my colleagues in a sense where we all feel like we're moving in the same direction, working side by side. So I don't think I really answered the question, I realized, but <laughs> I, maybe just like being a better communicator, mm. that could improve. I recorded a solo episode before the both of you got here, and it was about an opportunity that I had, and I don't feel that I executed on that opportunity very well, and I've been pretty disappointed in myself the last few days. And as I reflect on it, I truly think that if on day one or week one I created processes, I would have never had this outcome. Mm. I think the biggest no matter what happened in my life, no matter what extra responsibility or what other task got thrown, it's like if we have the clarity of knowing how the newsletter is published, mm -hmm. how the how the photo is taken, who uploads the photo, um, where it gets posted, who handles the engagement, uh, who who handles the administrative tasks, who does the research. Who uploads the files of the podcast? Where do they go? How do those get handled? In mm -hmm. how many days? If we take the space and the time and the meditation, it really is a meditative process, the meditation to like map that all out, mm -hmm. then whenever whatever happens, like Tucker just had twins, you know, <laughs> you're like, okay, here's the process. Right. I used to upload the photo. I have to be honest with myself. I don't have capacity to upload that photo anymore. Who on my team or what resources do I have access to that can handle that part in the process? Right. But if we don't even have the process identified and outlined, then it just feels like this flailing mm -hmm. energy yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. This is something like we talked about previously, too, is it's like progress is binary and you feel like I, there's never enough time in the day to just like get everything done. And building the process is something that doesn't really contain a direct output. So it's easy to feel like, eh, I'll just do the process later. I'm just going to do the newsletter and just, you know, next time I'll do the process. But it's, you know, this euphemism or like cheesy thing, but it's like slow down to speed up. Yeah. By slowing down and building the process, it allows you to speed up and then like appropriately delegate the task. Um, yeah, the newsletter is something, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, 
as it relates to Smooth, at least something that I can you know speak specifically about. You want to hire someone to do social media, so you don't have mm-hmm. to do social media. You bring someone on, hey, do so- social media, and they're like, well, what do what do social media? What does that mean? Yeah, what do you want? Yeah. Whereas, like, so this this happened to us, right? Like, so we built a process which is like, okay, post on the blog, write a blog post, use ChatGPT. I don't care. Come up with something like relevant and creative. Come up with a image in Canva that is associated with it in this sort of templated style. Post on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the different mediums, and then write it on the newsletter. Like, send out the newsletter to our mailing list once a week with two blog posts. That's a process now for mm-hmm. us. So if someone can plug and play directly into that process. But at first, it took a lot of time to vote. Sorry to bogart that. No, honestly. and the last piece of it, and is and what is the result we're looking for from this process? Me- measurable. And too, is right. that and is that result happening? Right. And who is checking if that result is happening? Right. There's so many pieces for every last thing, and it is daunting and overwhelming especially if you've been running something for a really long time it's like to go back and get it all granular but Mm -hmm. i i really think processes make life easier in the long run they take a lot of work up front but then once you have them mapped out and organized then it's it's almost like a life hack. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me of a mentor I yeah. had, Norma Cadena. She, Norma, yes, love. amazing, right? She's an investor, runs supply chain capital. They just raised a forty million dollar fund investing in ag tech, and she taught me about the critical path, and that was something. Her background is actually in aerospace, and critical path is this idea of like what is exactly what it says, the critical path to get things done that are most important. Everything else is secondary and keeping front of mind, top focus, like what needs to get done in Mm. order to move the needle and achieve results. Yeah, love. I like that too. Rapid fire, best LA restaurant. Mm, I love Bossa Nova. Oh, that's a good one. Brazilian. Brazilian food. What should we do in LA, we just landed in LAX. What's the must-do thing? Go to Venice Beach. Go to the boardwalk. What are you stealing, Tucker? <laughs> That's what I said. That's what it's I said. like I you're, it's such a vibe. You right. have, it's like it's such a uniquely LA thing. You got to experience the it. The theater of life. Yes, <laughs> I mean locals don't necessarily hang out there, but it's like you got to experience it. It's so true. And um, what is a LA tech resource that people should really tap into? You. Or event. <laughs> you. Swear. Literally you. You literally had the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Yeah. That's very nice of you. And who is an LA tech company or person you've come across lately who's really impressed you? Mm, gosh. <sighs> Stump me there. Because I feel like I'm not as hip on it. Actually, you're, you introduced me to Beehive, to Tyler. Yeah. That's, and they just raised the Series A, and I think that's a really cool L.A.-based company. And I'm an advisor. Yeah, awesome. Beehive. Yeah, I think that's a cool one. By the way, just had an acquisition in one of the companies I advise. Uh, oh. It was just announced Squadcast. Oh, a huge, podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's a huge milestone in my career. The remote recording platform, yeah, that yeah. we use. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What is a quote that's really inspired you? Seek peace and pursue it. Fuck, I got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh, new task for the day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you can do that with kids. Forever. But. <laughs> <laughs> for the day. And what's something top of mind for you? I like a quick fire question. A question for yeah. Rachel? Like related to L.A.? 
I have this feeling of like, okay, I'll never explore all of LA, and because mm-hmm. I'm like stuck on the west side, and then I like joke with my cousin who's a, an artist and lives in uh, Los Phillies, like, mm-hmm. no, I don't go, I don't go east of uh, Sawtell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, or is that is that the road? Am I even saying the right road, Sawtell? No. A wall. Yeah. Always west of Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, that's even more hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Marina vibes. <laughs> yeah. That's legit. <laughs> But, like, do you ever go over there? Or, like, is there stuff over there where it's like, okay, it's actually worth seeing, you know? I don't know. I'm intrigued by downtown LA. Sure. It depends. Like, if you're into music, there's a lot of cool music events and outdoor parties and things that go on, like Los Angeles Historic Park and Chinatown, Jinling Way, which is this really cool Chinatown area, and they do a lot of cool outdoor parties, Mm. things like that. So I would say downtown Chinatown is a cool area to explore. See? Sleeper. Mm-hmm. Sleeper spot. Mm-hmm. Women in tech side of things. Uh, who's a must follow person? It could be podcast, YouTube, blog. You? <laughs> like, actually? Yeah, actually, yes. Yeah. Why? Just in terms of one, like the content that you share, the resources that are available, your tips, being authentic, how to build community. You're, well, I appreciate it. You're the bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. And favorite software? Well, as I'm leaning more into my processes, Monday. It's actually a really cool project really? management software. Mm. I've yes. used Monday. Yes. I, you dig it. I dig it. That's cool. Yeah. Tucker, what is your favorite software? The, this is like the most mainstream answer possible. And I, w- I will say that I was like a laggard in terms of adopting it. But just Spotify is like something that brings me a lot of joy. Mm. I love music and I love the – I've seen the documentary thing, the mockumentary or whatever. Like it's it's a little bit bad in terms of the artist. Oh, right? I haven't seen it. Was oh, that on it? Netflix? Yeah, like the uh, – it's called the playlist. Oh, oh, it, I know what you're talking about. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. It's really cool, and it has sub. It's in subtitle. It's in a uh, Swedish, I think. Yeah, and uh, so it's all in subtitles, but it's worth watching like that. So not great in terms of how the artists are compensated. You know, it's something like a couple bucks every six thousand streams. Like it's really tough for the artist. It's hard to be an artist in general. Like I have a lot of respect and empathy for artists and musicians in in general. That being said, as just like a fan, it's amazing that I can just like listen to the Talking Heads and then listen to Led Zeppelin and then listen to the Grateful Dead and then listen to G Eazy and then listen to Jay Z and like mm-hmm. you know all within ten minutes without opening a tape deck. So. Kids you know, these spoiled. days yeah. won't understand yeah, the right? struggle of a ma- making burning a CD. Yeah, let me burn your CD with Kazaa, you know, and then like write on it with Sharpie. Yeah, that's, that's really that's funny. Yeah, but yeah, I love Spotify. Any last comments, thoughts, or anything you want to say before I wrap up? I will say that just like our history, how we've known each other, and how we've been friends, just to me is like a clear indicator of like. Being yourself and showing up for who you are, being a good person and being friends with someone can really just, like, create amazing things. And just for anyone out there that feels like, oh, I need to, like, get ahead and do these things, no, there's karma. Be a good person, do good in the world, help others, and it'll come back to you in ways that you can't even imagine. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's been— people in my work experiences who have intentionally been cruel to me Mm. and it's very interesting one it's just not good to be that way but also you just never know what's ahead or what opportunities and was it they were cruel because they they felt threatened for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and the 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 threatened feeling actually had no merit but 
in their narrative it did. Mm. Um, it was a very interesting life experience. Yeah. It felt really shitty for people to be cruel to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Like it costs nothing to just be kind to people. Yeah. I, I was like, like I'm not even doing anything. I'm not yeah. even yeah. trying to hurt you. I'm just existing over here. Yeah. Yeah. I remember once, this is maybe too much, but whatever. Once, one particular person that was very proactively cruel to me, I was trying so hard to show that I wasn't a threat. Like, I, the reality was I, I was 0% a threat. But for whatever reason, it, there was this impression that I was a threat. And so I, I, like, did something nice for this person. And they were very skeptical and said to someone, like, why would she do that? And, like, the person was like, because she's just being nice. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever think about it like that? <laughs> like, yeah, it was really wild. Tucker, thank you so much for co-hosting the We Are Late Tech podcast. Yeah, you want to give a shout out? How can people connect with you? At Corpo Tuck on Twitter, Tucker F. Cohen on LinkedIn, and www.smooth.app for the company website. And I I really appreciate you guys letting me feel like I sort of crashed this awesome catch up (laughs) between the two of you. But uh, it's been great to get to know you, Rachel and Esprit. Again, like, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. If you want to connect further with the Los Angeles tech community, remember to go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Hello, my name is Rachel Espiritu. I'm Marketing Operations Director at Starburst Aerospace based in El Segundo. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.